of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Welcome to How Many More Wine, a podcast in which I talk about TV shows and on occasion a movie or two with special guests while enjoying a glass or two or three of wine or some other adult beverage. This is Jocelyn, and I am so happy to welcome a new guest to the podcast this week, Matt. Matt is here to join me to discuss the pilot episode of one of my favorite shows and favorite fandoms of all time, Community. Matt, please say hello to my lovely listeners. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Great. So Matt is one of the admins for the community's Twitter account. We'll put the links in the show notes as always. And where he and his team, they bring fans together, they post news, they share tweets, and they keep us up to date with all things relating to our favorite lovable misfits from Greendale, Colorado. So if you are new to the podcast, let me just take a second and explain to you what The pilot project is, aka The Boozy Beginnings. It's basically where I sit down with a special guest and we talk about the pilot episode of a variety of shows. We have more recently done Justified in the past. We've done some cult phase like Teen Wolf. We've also done, you know, some of your, you know, premiere shows like Sopranos, The Walking Dead, you name it, we've probably covered it. What I love about this approach is that it is a fun, non-committal way to engage with a show that you maybe haven't checked out before. We keep the main discussion spoiler-free. We talk about the pilot, we share our thoughts, we we make our recommendations as to whether or not we think you should keep going with it or whether we would intend to go forward with it if it's a show that we're new to. And if time permits, we may get into a little bit of a spoilery discussion about the series of a whole where both my guests and I have watched the entire series. Um, you'll get lots and lots of warning. It, it literally comes after I say the formal goodbyes at the very end. So you will not be exposed to any spoilers against your will. So there, that's the premise. That's the setup. I always like to get into the origin story as well of my guest and I when I have someone new on the podcast. So Matt, I thought we could talk about our origin story. And our origin story is the fandom that I just talked about, which is the community fandom. Um, I just, via social media, Twitter in particular, you know, have have just met so many amazing folks in this fandom. Matt is one of them. I mean, it's been like years now. I was looking at sort of the people I was following on Twitter. I was like, so many, like the community, the communities and my Twitter origin story are basically like connected (laughs) because that was like the first show that I really got into. It was the one that I tweeted a lot about. It was the first fandom that I really engaged with on Twitter as well. So that's how I met Matt and met just a slew of amazing folks. So that's basically how we are now coming together today. <laughs> I'm happy to just to be here and talk to you because I have known you on Twitter, what it feels like forever in Twitter time, because I, I got on Twitter just to have a Twitter account. But then I got, <laughs> when I got where I used it, it was about community. Yeah. And that's where I met you. And that's where I met the rest of the people. Like if you, if you went through the, the followers of my personal account, which I kind of avoid now, but if you went, <laughs> through, the, if you went through the followers there, two thirds of them are about community. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's why I'm there. And, and being able to be an admin for the community's account, is just, just it's just been nothing but joy it's just it's absolute fun to hang out with people that just want to talk about the show yes yes and and it just shows the show the series has had such an impact because it's 2022 when did community 
go off the air. I can't. It's been several 2015. years. 2015. 2015. Yeah. Seven years later, we're still here. The fandom is still here and they are as passionate as ever. No, seriously, I don't know that I know a more passionate fandom than the communities because if you are familiar with the show's trajectory, you know that there were some seasons where we didn't know if community was going to get renewed because NBC <laughs> like to play emotional games with us every season and no one rallied like the communities to basically, I'm going to call it bullying and I don't mean that in a negative way I mean that in a sometimes you do need to bully folks and we needed to bully NBC into making the right choices and and keeping the show on the air there was there was a window of time where if you had an online poll about television shows we won yep yep and we were not a top 50 show and we won exactly And, and it's because we did everything we could to make sure somebody noticed it. So there's a couple of years where TV God has, what's your favorite show on television? Mm-hmm. And the top 10 shows aren't there. It's a picture of the cast of community on there. <laughs> and so and I've, I've got print, uh, not print screens. I got the screenshots and the uh, pictures of their, their, their wins basically. It, but it's just this ridiculous thing. We were far more passionate than when we were numbered. Yes. And, and we just kept pushing. And I, yes. I love that about the group. It's ridiculous. There's still artists drawing stuff from the show today. Yes. Yes. I, it's been seven years. Yes. And they don't care. I, no, it's it's no. been great. <laughs> Such a testament to the power of the fandom and this amazing show that that we both love so very much. So before we get into the main discussion, Matt, you're, this is your first time on the podcast. So you're going to be introduced to a few of our regular segments that we go through each week. And we always open by sharing what we are sipping on for our conversation. So Matt, please share with the lovely listeners, what are you drinking today as but- we begin to revisit the origin story of the Jeff Winger study group? I, I am breaking some sort of social norm because it's not noon here yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because it was going to be on, and I didn't, I didn't have a whole bottle of wine I could open without you know making sure my wife would join me in it. Uh, I just poured myself a little bit of Maker's Forty Six and put some ice cubes in it. So it is, it is bourbon neat. I don't actually have any kind of scotch here, so uh, that was my only option. But yeah, I, I have a bourbon neat. I love it. Thank you so much for getting into it. You know, listen, non-alcoholic beverages are always welcome, but I always love when people embrace the theme and the spirit of of what we do here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am, so it is noon my time. So I'm doing, you guys know, when I do sort of my Sunday midday recordings, I usually go with the brunchy vibe. So I'm doing a mimosa with some menage a Prosecco. Um, So yes, yes, yes one of my faves. I usually do, people that listen know that my fave is like the barefoot sangria and it has to be in a box. And I haven't done that in a few weeks. So I think next episode, I'm going to have to get back to basics and get back to my barefoot sangria because that is truly my favorite, favorite wine of all time in a box, which I feel like several of these characters would appreciate. Um, (laughs) They would definitely be able to afford. So yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So Matt, what drew you to community? Do you remember like your origin story with this show? Did you get into it like season one, episode one? How did you come to this delightful show about these lovable misfits? I did not really know it existed until Modern Warfare, uh, an episode later in season one dropped. And I, I paid attention to TV critics mm-hmm. because, you know, they they kind of give you an idea of what people are talking about. And the TV critics just 
they they already love the show. And you go back and look, TV critics like the pilot. They like everything afterwards. But Modern Warfare, they're like, this feels impossible, yet it happened. And it's it's already here. Mm-hmm. And I watched Modern Warfare and I thought, this is this is the best thing I've ever seen on television in a really long time. Yeah. Because I grew up on I grew up on cheers for crying out loud. I know what your <laughs> television is. And there there's a lot of shows that don't fit in that category. Mm-hmm. But community could surprise me. Community could do a show that didn't look like anything I'd ever seen, do or have a whole episode just out of the box different. And when I watched Modern Warfare, I thought, oh, I've got to have it all now. And so I started <laughs> up over the summer. I'm pretty sure I bought the DVDs during the, as soon as they dropped. Uh, and I, I, I believe I started watching live with the season one episode, Anthropology 101. And from there on, I was live for all other episodes. Interesting. Yeah, I got hooked by Modern Warfare. Interesting. So I had to really like dig in the crates to fix to remember like how did I become uh, acquainted with community? And I finally remembered, y'all, it was through old school Netflix. And when I say old school Netflix, I'm talking about you have to like open up the Netflix site and like tell them I want to watch this show and then they ship you like disc one depending on <laughs> depending on your plan, right? Oh, so you, you, know, you had the ship to the house version of Netflix. Yes. Wow. Yes, I did. And so like the guy that I was dating at the time, that was our thing. That was sort of, you know, we just we were both pretty much homebodies. So like we had so much fun just saying, okay, let's explore this new show. He was like really big into anime. So like we would always pick a few anime choices and then we'd be like, all right, let's balance it out with something else. And we were just both like, huh, I feel like we've heard about community, but maybe, you know, let's, let's check out one disc, right? Because they wouldn't send you the whole series. They would do it disc by disc. And you would just hope that like what, that the disc would actually have like several episodes that you don't like get a disc and it's like, okay, here are three episodes. You're hoping that it's got a good like five or six so that you can get really get a sense of, of what the show is like. And it was just like, love at first sight, like f- completely fell in love with the show and with these characters. And we loved it so much that like, I remember upping my Netflix subscription so that we could like get <laughs> more DVDs, like more of the disc at one time. Because, the, you know, with the whole thing with Netflix, so they shipped it to you. And then when you were ready for the next thing on your list, you would have to ship something back before they sent the next thing on your list. So there was a wait time. A community was like the show where it was like, okay, I cannot bear to have this wait time. So we're going to have to adjust the schedule, maybe up the number of discs that we get so we don't have like delays between, you know, when we send one off and get the next one. We always wanted to have another round teed up. So we got through the first two seasons via the old school Netflix. And then season three, we then started watching live and and just, you know, I was in and, and watched it live from that point on. I watched it wherever it was available because obviously it wasn't always on NBC either. Um, but from that point, I was all in watching it live. Yes, yes. I, I was so, I was like, wow, I completely forgot that Netflix used to function like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like at this point, we're telling people like back in the old days. Yes, yes. <laughs> Netflix was a subscription service for discs. <laughs> yeah, uh, the other two admins on the account watched the pilot, and they were hooked from the pilot. Uh, wow, um, Kevin and Mike. So they they were in it before. There is somebody I ran across in the fandom in the past year who watched it on Facebook. 
Wow. Which was three months before it actually aired on NBC. So the the first version anybody ever could see, they had a live Facebook viewing. Interesting. And I came across somebody who did. Yeah, I didn't even know that happened until one of the other podcasters basically did the history of the show. It, yeah, it's it's ridiculous yeah. um, how far back some of these people have gone. And I I really wish I was a straight from the pilot person, but I, I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. I mean, so many of the shows that I've come to love, I was never a straight from the pilot person. I think it was somewhat on my radar because I really, really loved Joel McHale because I was a big fan of The Soup. And every now and then I remember he would sort of talk about the show or maybe someone from the show would like be on The Soup. So I was sort of, it's like, I knew that I was aware of it, but I don't know why, despite loving Joel McHale so much, like why I just didn't say, hey, let me just watch the show, you know, that he keeps talking about. But nonetheless, got to it anyway and, and you know, finally got my act right and started watching live in season three and, you know, didn't turn back from that point. And I guess it should probably go without saying, but I'll confirm nonetheless, Matt, I'm assuming you are a community completionist in terms of the entire <laughs> series. <laughs> uh, I have seen the entire thing multiple times over. I have seen every excerpt video that exists. They had so many episodes that didn't season one. I've watched some repeat. Um that there was some extra stuff done before the season started by Dan, the writer with the mm-hmm. Randall Park and others. I've watched all of that. There's nothing community that exists that I haven't seen at this point, including commercials for the Emmys, which they did not win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I've seen it all and I've seen it multiple times and I, I still watch it on repeat. Yeah, it is definitely one that I've, particularly, I mean, over the pandemic, I think I binged everything over again. But even before pandemic, I had done prior rewatches of Community because it's just such an easy show to just put on and just let it run because it's just so light. And and like, if you've already seen it, then it's one of those shows where, you know, you can kind of engage with the episodes that you like. You can like do some laundry, do things around the house, you know, for the episodes that you're like, oh, I remember that one. I don't need to really engage with that one. It's really just the perfect, it's, it's just the perfect comfort show. It's like community, Kim's Convenience. They're just shows that are light, easy to watch, and just like a just just like macaroni and cheese or or you know soup and hot or hot cocoa on a cold day it's just it's a comfort show it's like a warm hug is is what community is <laughs> so, I, I, mean, I, I, I do want to say what what Dan does in a lot of episodes is in the first minute and a half they've established everything that's going to happen so the the structure of the way the show is written you don't have to be a regular watcher of community. You can jump around and find that episode that kind of gets your interest. Yep. And they're going to lay out enough of who the characters are. And they're so well-defined that you can just go. Yep. And that, yep. That's, that's one of the best things about the show. I agree. I agree. And it's part of what makes it just such an easy watch for sure. So let's get into this pilot, though. So... We always talk about character introductions, and obviously, you know, we know from the pilot that it's Jeff, it's the study group, but there are two, in my opinion, very important characters that we are introduced to right off the bat in this opening scene, and those characters would be Dean Pelton, (laughs) and the other one would actually be Greendale Community College itself. So Matt, I want to start with our introduction to them and and first kick things off with Dean Pelton and your thoughts on our introduction to this. He is low-key. I don't know that I have like, it would be hard to say this character is my favorite character above all else, but Dean Pelton is absolutely like top two. 
And I don't know that he's number two, but, but you know, it depends, <laughs> depends on the episode. But he is just the absolute best. Yeah, Academy Award-winning Jim Rash playing yes. a dean at a community <laughs> college. And it's not a full-time, uh, full-time cast member until season three. So Right. Uh, but he's in it a lot. I, I do want to. I do want to say, if you're watching it on Netflix versus the other streaming services, don't go, go. Go get a DVD. Go to Prime. Go to Hulu because Prime and Hulu have the full version of the episode, the kind you watch on the DVD or the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And the, there's a difference in the, particularly in the opening scene, because when you watch the opening scene, it's the only part you get of Dean Pelton in both versions. But in the opener on Netflix. He may just be somebody who's a little clumsy with his note cards. Right. If you watch the full version, he's kind of incompetent and people know it. And there's yes. a, it, it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's like 25 second difference between the two of them, but it tells you so much more about the characters. Like, oh, he didn't just drop this card. He's got multiple issues. And they're all it's incredibly funny the way it's done. But if you haven't seen the full version, it's really hard to tell. Netflix, I don't know. I can't even get people at Sony to tell me why Netflix has the shorter, the rerun version. Yeah, it's really you know? weird. Yeah, it's not the full, it's, it's not the syndicated version, which is even shorter. But it's definitely, it's not the first version you see, and it's not the one on the DVD. And of course, Amazon, Amazon Prime and Hulu both have the full version. So, you know, watch it there. But no, I, if you, if you watch the full one, like you have when you watch the DVD, he's such a dork. He's such an adorable <laughs> kind of dork. Like he, the, he, he doesn't even in the pilot. He's not dangerous or anything. He's not scary. Like he, when he when he sets off the boombox, he's kind of turning around and going, you know, I, I please help me with this. And he goes, I didn't mean to snap. He didn't snap. No, no, he, he did he, not. <laughs> in both verses, he refers to us like, I'm sorry, I snapped. He's like, he didn't remotely snap. He barely said it quickly. So <laughs> there's nothing really there for him to, to be apologizing for. And that there's a sweetness to that character that you kind of see right off the bat. Um, as far as the the Greendale the, as a as a or personification of the school, you know, I don't. Oh wait, think, wait. Um, okay, you want to stay on D? Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, so I didn't know about the difference. I watched it on Hulu, so I'm glad I did watch it on Hulu. That means I got the full, um, you know, uncut version of the pilot. But I agree, there is a sweetness about him. But the point that you made earlier is the one that stood out to me about the fact that he's a hot mess and everybody's <laughs> aware of it. And so it was, it was, uh, it's, it's not just. Jim's portrayal, but it's also like all of these people and their reactions. And I mean, well done to these actors who were likely just stand-ins. It's not like they have any lines. You'll but never they see are, them again. Exactly. Yeah. You never <laughs> see them again, but they are absolutely selling you on a lot of important things that I think are, are sort of part of Dean Pelton's characterization that we'll continue to see. And that's the fact that he's also someone who enjoys wholly unnecessary events. Like, this is a man who is doing a public address for the first week of school in the middle of the week. And as part of this public address to the school, he's making these completely unfiltered observations about the population. And I, I'm not going to say that they were all insulting, but they 
definitely they could have benefited. They could have benefited from some significant filtering and some significant editing. And then, of course, the cherry on top is him realizing he ends this chaotic public address by realizing that he's missing an entire card. Um, it just it's <laughs> it's like it is Dean Pelton in a nutshell, and and it's something that I that really struck me in rewatching this pilot, not just about him, but the other characters. You know, any good writer's room is going to enter the pilot with a pretty good vision about sort of who these characters are. But I was really struck by like how efficiently they're really able to sort of introduce us to who these characters are and what we're going to see about them, like key parts of their personalities that are going to play out in this first season and subsequent seasons they, are, they feel very realized and actualized in this pilot in ways that I don't think I had really appreciated in the past. It was like, oh, wow. Like I, I walked away from, from this pilot with strong impressions about each of these characters and having, having watched the entire series, I was just really struck at how much they do kind of pack in to each of these individuals in this pilot episode. And it really kicks off with Dean Pelton, which is interesting because to your point, he doesn't, he is around a lot, but he's, you know, he becomes sort of a regular in season three. So we're getting him in bits and pieces, but the bits and pieces that we get in those first two seasons, y'all, that opening segment, it is him. It is just him through and through. It is the absolute, perfect setup and just so well done on on just so many different levels for sure they do it for every cast member yes is is give them an opportunity to say something that defines their character without saying who they are yes so every response they have their first response is just all that 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 person is an A-type person. This person is going to be a pain in the butt. This person is full of himself. Mm -hmm. This this person doesn't really understand how to work in a group. There's a lot of this. Right. (laughs) There's a lot of it in there. And it's it's done so quickly uh, that efficiency ends up allowing them to do other things and to make the other joke. And I think it's, uh, you can't do this in most shows unless you're doing the the fake documentary style that you see in Abbott Elementary or The Office or even Parks and Rec. Where they can just look at the camera and tell you who they are. Right, right. Uh, and Community does it without that. Right. It's, it's amazing. Right. I agree. I was like, wow, this is just really well done. And in less than 30 minutes. Like, I mean, that's sort of what blew my mind. I was like, they packed in a lot in a very, very short window of time. It was just impressive. Now, an, another impressive introduction that we get, um, this outside of the main study group, is our introduction to Greendale. And, and I think that sort of, you know, it goes hand in hand, what we learn about Dean Pelton and also what we learn about Greendale. <laughs> it's just all very, very telling in that opening scene. But Matt, I'd love to hear your thoughts about our introduction to Greendale. Because Greendale, not a human, but absolutely... Very Very much part of what the show is. Exactly. It's the fabric of this show. um, And it's just such an important and significant backdrop that, that, you know, you will continue to see throughout the course of the series. But what did you think about our introduction to the community college? Now, I'm glad you asked this question. And I got to say, I've been on podcasts about community several times when you run a fan account that happens and I'm glad for it. But nobody's asked me about Greendale itself. And I had to actually think about it. And I it was good. Thank you. But, <laughs> right. but what I want to say is that 
it it definitely has the feel of a third tier educational institution with every scene that it's where you're looking at it. So the ketchup mm-hmm. bottle has mayonnaise in it. There's a guy peeing <laughs> on the air conditioner outside of Duncan's office. There's uh, in the the longer version. There is somebody who is clearly past the age of eighty trying out for the track the team. The track team, <laughs> yes. and it's and and the the field looks unfinished, mm-hmm. and the the rooms look like mid seventies furniture. It has this really kind of underfunded and underwhelming feel to it, but it's definitely a location you can. I mean, you know it when you're there. Mm-hmm. When they when they put the camera on it, you know you're in the study room. You know you're on this campus. You know the people you're surrounded with aren't these aren't future Harvard grads. These aren't future Harvard anything. There there's this definite um everyman feel to it that I I think a lot of us kind of ignore to some degree. And I don't think I ignored it before, but I don't think I ever tried to you know frame it. But I think this is a great idea to look at it as a as a separate character. Yeah. I love that you said the everyman feel to it because that's exactly sort of in the underfunded part because it it's like, oh, y'all are struggling. Y'all haven't had a proper budget in a while. And I mean, frankly, we don't know after being introduced to Dean Pelton, we don't know if, are they underfunded or are they mishandled or is it a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B in this instance? And I thought it was also interesting that we had such a wide cross section of people that we see sort of in the background, you know, to your point, like the dude, the elderly dude who's trying out for the track team. It's <laughs> he like older than the game of poker. Yes. <laughs> over that line, it's just perfect. Yes. And it just, you get this impression that you've probably got a student population where you have people that are at interesting transitions in their lives. And so for me, it's almost like, you know, yes, this place looks underfunded. It looks a hot mess. We know that the person at the head of this school is very extra and they probably have these, they probably have multiple public announcements from him throughout the course of the day. You kind of get that vibe from Dean Pelton, but there also feels like there's something magical about it. Like what is drawing people to this place? What is, what is it about this place? And it could just be that, Hey, I don't have any other, any other options. So this is why I am, (laughs) but there is something kind of mystical and magical about the idea that you have like this white cross section of people who are presumably, you know, trying to set up the next step for wherever it is that they want to go. And this is where they decided they put their hands in the fate of this school for better or for worse. And I kind of love that. (laughs) I do too. It's perfect. So turning to our ensemble, I mean, so many character introductions, and as we talked about, they really, really pack it in um, for each of the study group members. But I figured maybe we, you know, we're not going to go, we'd probably be here for several, several hours if we walked through each and every one of um, yeah. the character introductions. So I what, but I do want to sort of give time and space to Jeff, you know, because this is truly, he is, even though it is an ensemble, you know, his story as, as the lawyer who, you know, faked his academic credentials and is now in trouble is the core. It's sort of what is what has brought us to this show, what's brought us to Greendale, and it's what's opening the doors to this world. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, Matt, about our introduction to Jeff. I, I think my favorite part about him is you know this type of person. You've been exposed to them. You don't like them most of the time, mm-hmm. but he's definitely quicker than he is bright. He's uh, He's got a smarmy charm about him. Yes. <laughs> and, and that co- and that combination has gotten him a, a decent way down the road in his life. 
But the problem is that he's running to is that none of those things are valuable for the thing he has to do next. And I really like that idea. This idea that, that the glib and the quick, who's you know fully capable but doesn't know how to behave and function in a normal way. And mm-hmm. so he needs the he needs what he ends up not planning on having. He actually ends up needing them. I think that's a really great thing. And you see where he runs into problems because yeah, his charm is you know, dialed to 11 for every conversation with Britta, but he just completely hits a wall in his communication with Abed. He's like, it's, it becomes an exchange, but he doesn't know how the exchange is going to, you know, keep moving. Mm-hmm. So I, I really, I really like this introduction. It's like, oh, he's kind of schmarmy and he's not kind of schmarmy, he's full schmarmy. Um, <laughs> and he's willing to talk his way through every problem or he thinks he can do that. It can solve every problem by just keep talking. And that's not how the real world ends up working. Right. So I, I do, I I really like this introduction. It worked really well. And it's really quick how quickly they, it's really good how quickly they get there. Yeah. It's so funny that you said smarmy because I absolutely had that in my nose. I was like, he's smarmy. He's all of the terrible stereotypes about smarmy lawyers that we see on television and in film. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, he's, he's he's, there's one of them in every college party or business meeting you've ever attended. Exactly, exactly. And and he's someone who sees human connections as networking and as part of a bartering system in which, you know, it's you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back kind of thing. Um, but what I did think was interesting, and I also liked what you said about him being quicker than he is bright, because I think it's important that, you know, given that we're kind of told in this pilot that that Jeff is, he's central to this. And so I think that it's important that for the writers, like, yes, Jeff can be all of these sort of things that that I think a lot of us would find off-putting, but they needed to give us just a little bit to kind of balance him out. Because otherwise, I think that without that, I get to the end of the pilot and I'm not sure that I'm going to want to continue on a show with a show where like this dude, bro, this is the guy that, that, you know, that you're expecting me to, to want to sort of rally around and, and want to be invested in and, and continue to watch. And I think that they balance it out in very interesting ways. And I think that to your point about him being quicker than he is brighter, I thought it was good that Professor Duncan kind of hustled him and pulled and scammed him, you know, with the whole promise of all of the answers to the test, just showing you that yet yeah, Jeff might think that he's always the smartest and the quickest person when he enters a room, but every now and then he meets his match or he gets hustled just like the rest of us. And it kind of balances out some of that smarminess. Um, I also thought it was great to see him kind of recognizing, right, that that he's made a mess, particularly with the study group, and that he <laughs> needs to, that, and that, that, and there's a willingness on his part, right, to try to to clean it up, you know, and 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 that he does. Okay, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. He's got a great ability to read people, and so I enjoyed his winger speech, in which he uses those perceptions to lift folks up, even if it is sort of also him trying to just put a button on the mess and say, all right, I'm going to walk away from this now because I don't want to do the study group thing. And, you know, I'm going to have these answers to these tests anyway. So I don't need these people. But I do <laughs> like that there's part of him, even if it's part manipulation, that that reads people that can see the good in people and see people's strength, strengths, even if it is sort of, you know, for crossed purposes. But it shows another part of him that I think is likable and that that feels 
a little bit authentic authentic about him. And I, I, like I, I said, I 100% agree. And I just want to add the, the reason I tell everybody to watch the longer episode is his conversation after he's lost what's going on. He's lost the group. He's lost the answers. Mm-hmm. Where he's talking to Pierce and where he's talking to Troy, which the Troy yeah. section is not in the Netflix version. Interesting. Is the best part of the episode. It's the most lovely little moment where he's giving Troy advice that is correct. Right. But, and, and and not only correct, but useful. And and doesn't in a way that doesn't insult somebody else. But you know, you can tell somebody the right answer, you can make them feel bad about it. And he tells them the right answer in a way that's effective. And and that part of him, when people watch it on Netflix, I can't tell you how many people I've seen. It's like, I didn't think I was going to like this this main character to start with. Hate Jeff. You know, and, and what happens is Jeff moves for them. Right. They love, they love Abed by you know the third episode. That's by default. That always happens. Um, that's everybody. <laughs> I've seen two <laughs> people hate Abed, but out of the thousands. But, uh, but Jeff's character is so self-centered and self-serving. That that last little bit on the where he's you know he's beaten and he mm-hmm. accepts their help. Those are those are beautiful moments, and they give him help not just because he's he feels sad, but he can actually help them. And the and only us, the audience, completely understands that. Such good writing. Yeah, yeah, and and, and necessary. Like I said, it doesn't surprise me that if if you don't see that conversation with Troy, I could completely see someone saying, "I would never think I would like this dude." But I think if you watch the full version, it's it's really brilliant writing choice because, like I said, they give you just enough of him that you're like, "Okay, like I don't know if he's going to be my fave or not." But but there is something interesting here. He is not a one dimensional character. He's redeemable. Um, yeah. Yes, and, and not every character has to be redeemable. Like I think about shows like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like everybody's terrible, and I think that everyone being terrible it, it works in that setting. But in this particular setting, where we've been introduced to these other characters who are not terrible and who actually have things that are likable about them, I think it was really important that Jeff show sort of you know signs of that as well. And 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 I love that the writers understood that and built that into that pilot episode. Um, so yeah, just, I mean, just really well done. Getting to the other group members, Matt, I would love to just, you know, highlight a few of the introductions that you may have thought were very well done. So which introductions did you enjoy from this pilot episode? Uh, I really like Abed's introduction. I thought it was really just not only is it efficient, but it tells you a lot about his backstory and in a way that's, you know, they can't give you all the details, but they definitely give you a lot of details and then his perspective on them. And that's a, that's really quick in about three sentences, but it's really well done. Yeah. Um, I think Shirley is underrated in this introduction. She doesn't have a lot to do, but my God, does she do a lot with it? And yes. uh, when Jeff comes back to it in the big speech, it's <laughs> like, that is, that is absolutely correct. You don't just make up the jukebox reference. Right. <laughs> so I, I really like that. Um, Britta is a lot of a, a she's a, she's a carrot. Uh, she, th- she's not really well-defined and then she smokes, but she otherwise understands everything that's going on. And so I don't think they do a lot of good service there, but you know, uh, Abed and Shirley stand out to me of the group. Yeah. And and to add to your point about Abed, what I like that they did with Abed, because I think that it's it's a very sort of delicate balance, right? Where you're introducing this character who clearly has like, who processes things differently, who engages with people differently, who has, who just has a different perception that that people may not be familiar with, maybe they are. Um, 
and it's a comedy, right? And, and so what you don't want to do is, is cheapen the introduction. And I love that we got laughs because of Abbott, but we didn't get laughs at the expense of Abbott, if that yeah, makes any sense. Yeah, they didn't punch down. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, I love the part where the text message, he's like, I never get these. Say you have to pee. <laughs> like, oh my God. That was, I died. And I love that it sort of, it, it highlights Abbott and how he perceives things. And we laugh. We're not laughing at Abbott. We're laughing at Jeff's dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, what, we're, what, we're, we're not laughing at, at Abed's reaction to getting his first text, apparently, but right. we're laughing at Jeff just squirm, right. realizing all of this is about to be described. It's, it, yeah, it's a perfect joke. Right. In terms of the introductions that I thought were really well, I mean, they were all well done, but what stood out for me is that there are two characters whose introductions to me felt very tied into the clothing choices that they made for those characters. And those characters would be Troy and Pierce. So, you know, we know from Dean Pelton's awkward opening address with Pierce that this is someone who is sensitive about his age and being an older student. And so I found his wardrobe choices to be interesting, like the blazer with like the turtleneck and kind of the, the hippie beads. It felt like, you know, Pierce is like, okay, I want to read or dress as I'm young, but his his references in terms of what would be youthful, I mean, he's stylishly dressed, but the references definitely feel like he's in the 70s, which was probably when Pierce would have been the age of the <laughs> folks that he's in school with now. So that to me, it just spoke volumes about his character without him even having to say a single word. And same with Troy. And and I think this is a little bit more sort of teased out in the dialogue and the conversations, but Troy's walking around in community college with his high school jacket, his, his letterman's jacket from being on the football team in high school. And it's interesting to me because Pierce and Troy very much felt like two sides of the same coin. And I thought it was, it, it again, it sort of, I went back to how brilliant and how thoughtful certain choices were made in this pilot. And I was like, okay, so they feel like two sides of the same coin. They both had these insecurities. We're seeing they're, they are literally wearing their insecurities on their sleeve in the forms of their outfits and the choice to sit those characters next to each other at the study table. It, it just, like I said, all of that is happening and we don't even need a ton of dialogue to even see that and to get that insight. So I really, really did like what they did with both of those characters. No, yeah, Pierce looks like he wants to be confused as a professor yep. on a show from the 80s. And that's, <laughs> that's a, that, yeah, that really, and of course he has means, so they're, they're nice clothes. And you're absolutely right. Troy wants to be recognized as the number one person. And he wants it so badly, he's wearing his jacket to remind people who he was. Mm-hmm. And he's not that anymore. And that that perfectly fits with who Pierce is as well. So that's a, that's a great observation. Yeah. So now I want to have a little bit of fun, Matt. I love to do this. You guys, have, if you've listened to our Bob's Burgers episode, or we did it for Abbott Elementary, and I think we also did it for Grand Crew, I like to dabble in a little bit of zodiac stuff, astrology, you don't have to ascribe to, you don't have to believe in it. It's just for shits and giggles, y'all. So what I like to do is have my guests pick their big three, where they identify the characters from the cast 
in whom they feel the most seen. But rather than just saying, oh, you know, I like Britta because X, Y, and Z, I like to kind of do it through the lens of your astrological signs. So I like to ask first, Matt, who is your sun sign? And your sun sign is the character that you feel most closely aligns with your spirit or the core of who you are and why. Matt, who from community is your sun? Oh, uh, if I went strictly by the astrological stuff I looked up this morning, <laughs> uh, I would have to say Pierce, but I don't remotely connect to that man at all. I, I much more talk to people with pop culture references, so I feel it would be Abed because I'm constantly referring to television shows from the 90s that nobody remembers mm-hmm. in my own personal life. Uh, on community Twitter, I stick to community for the most part, but pop culture is just how I talk to people. So I, I definitely feel more aligned with the way Abed sees the world. Okay, yeah, and that's the answer. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, the character's birthday or anything like that. It's it's really their personality and how it intersects with how you feel seen. So I love that. that. And, and it's interesting because I feel the same, but it's in a different sort of sign. So for me, my sun sign, and I want to be very clear, y'all, my sun sign, I feel like is Britta. But let me be very clear. It is Britta from the pilot. And for those (laughs) who know, you know, I am not talking about Britta, like maybe five episodes down the line, like, but the Britta from the pilot, I really connected with her because I completely appreciate having a past of where you like kind of fly by the seat of your pants for a while. And then you realize, all right, I got to get my ass together. And I have to sort of, I guess, start adulting. Like, you know, before I went to law school, I sort of just, I graduated from college. I worked for a writer in Brooklyn. I sort of did a random master's degree. I taught school. I just did some some of everything. And so I definitely connected with Britta in that way. And I mean, it is sort of interesting. She said that her birthday is in October and so is mine, but I don't know if that means she's a Libra or a Scorpio, but I was like, huh. It's October 19th. That is her, that is oh, okay. her birthday. So she is a Libra. So I, I identified with the October birthday, but um, but also like Britta and the pilot, I hate small talk and I don't fancy lawyers. <laughs> and although I'm not a Radio Ahead fan in high school, I'm pretty sure that I was as passionate, I still am at my big age about Wu-Tang as Britta was about Radiohead. I don't think that I would have quit, co- quit school because of Wu-Tang. But You'd be if surprised what gets back to them. Right. But if some, <laughs> if someone was like, hey, do this thing, it'll be impressive. Maybe I dibble and dabble. I'm not quitting school. That's not going to happen. But there might be some limits to which I'm willing to go because I love them so much. And I'm thinking just even more recently, like I'm in Philadelphia. I literally flew all all the way across the country to LA because I wanted to see Inspector Deck do his verse live from from Triumph. And I did that. So I get it, Bretta. I get the connection to a band. I I get sort of that dedication. So I felt that connection with her on that level. But again, I want to reiterate, I'm talking Bretta from the pilot, not Bretta. Not not season three Bretta. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. So switching over to your moon sign. So Matt, your moon sign is, is is the is a sign that you sort of feel on a deep soulful level. It's the it's the sign that you sort of it speaks to your idea of comfort. Which character would be your moon sign and why? I I locked onto the the there's a terminology they refer to as brooding passion, and I really like that idea. And for me, that was Britta, where there's things she deeply loves and mm-hmm. she's deeply interested in, but she struggles with it. 
And I think ultimately not, in this case, not Britta from the pilot, but Britta after the pilot, <laughs> where, where, she's, where she's fighting to be the person she wants to be. Mm-hmm. And where, you know, success or not success, that's not the point. It's the struggle that's the important part. And she is going all in. So yeah. I, that part of Britta fits for me. Got it. So for me, it's so funny because it, it feels like our answers are sort of switched over because mine was a combination of Abbott and Jeff. And I think it's probably more Jeff leaning, um, but it was exactly what you said about the pop culture references. And for me, both of them clearly, their connection, and, and I, it's something that I noticed in the pilot that I don't think I'd really appreciated before, but we do see it play out in subsequent episodes where Abed and Jeff constantly bond or connect with each other over the pop culture references. And for me, Jeff feels like the kind of kid who may have grown up in a home where the TV does some babysitting from time to time. Because you've got parents who who work and they're busy and they have to do the things that they have to do when they're off work. So you just sit a lot, you spend a lot of time just sitting there quietly watching TV. And that was certainly a part of my childhood as well. Like so I, yeah. Yeah. And so I find comfort in, in pop culture. I find comfort in television. I I I just, you know, it it, it's a thing. Like I love TV shows. I love binging is why I continue to do this podcast because it allows me to indulge in that very thing that brings me comfort. So in that respect, Jeff kind of spoke to me like as, as a moon sign. And I also like Jeff, I do pride myself in being able to read people. Um, I don't do winger speeches though, um, but I do enjoy <laughs> being able to read people and boost them up so that they can see what makes them great. You know, it's something that I do take pride in sort of and and in my professional life and in what I do for work. And so I found that to be relatable, uh, a relatable part of Jeff as well. And I mean, I'm also an attorney like Jeff, but I promise I try not to be the very worst smarmy stereotypes of an attorney, but all in (laughs) all, Jeff very much felt like my, my moon sign. And so closing it out, let's talk about our rising. So your rising is like, it's the energy that you put out in the world or the vibe that pick up that people pick up and notice about you right off the bat. It's also sort of how you relate to and connect with others. So Matt, which of these characters feels like you're rising? Oh, I, you know, I really want it to be somebody else to sometimes, but way, way, way too often I am full-on Abed in this category. I am. I understand a lot of what's going on, but and I have something I want to share in the moment, but it's not, I don't have it where it's, it's, it's ready for mass consumption. And mm-hmm. so I, and so the phrasing's wrong or the, the approach is wrong or my reference is wrong. So I think that fits more than anything else. I mean, I would love to say Troy because I think, but the, it's not the Troy of the pilot. The Troy of the pilot is very, uh, self-centered and, and worried and Detroit later is something else I will not spoil but he's but the guy that's constantly trying to keep the room light and trying to uh, just enjoy the moment really focused close on the moment I really enjoy what he does I don't know if that would be me I think ultimately it's like I would like to think I'm tr- later season Troy but I'm definitely pilot Abed okay fair fair I like that Um, this one was a little bit tough for me, but I ultimately ended up going with Shirley and I think it's bits and pieces of, of sort of it's things that she says and parts of her that I'm like, okay, this 
kind of feels like how I might connect with folks or how folks might receive me or perceive me rather. Um, Surely being like, listen, is this going to go on late? Because I got to get home to my kids. Like, I don't, I don't have kids to come home to, but I am very much the person. If I go to an event or even when, you know, back in pre-pandemic times when I work in an office, I woke up, got up, went to work every day, and I needed to know in my mind what the exit strategy was. Like, how long <laughs> am I planning to be here? Like, okay, what I want to change my answer. This is very much me. <laughs> yeah, like, what time am I getting the hell out of here today? I'm going to need to know that because if I don't have that in mind, it's just going to make me feel uncomfortable. And so I need to sort of have that comfort level. So I relate it to that in Shirley very deeply. And I think it's also for being an introvert, I, I find social engagements to be very draining. And so part of like being able to navigate that kind of stuff, it brings me comfort knowing, okay, so you said you want to meet up for drinks. I mean, how long? I would never ask someone that, but I have to like play it out in my mind. Like, how long is this going to be? Because like, you know. Yeah. How do I say no? Yeah. And, and how yeah. do I how do I limit it to this time frame and how do I do that and have a drink? And exactly. So- <laughs> exactly. Because my tank is going to run out and when I turn back into a pumpkin, I want to already be at home. And so Pull my shoes off for sure. Yes. All of that surely exudes inside deeply related to that. And I also, you know, do try to get off a vibe that I will be very nice and very sweet and very pleasant with you. But if you come at me wrong, I will absolutely smash your face through a jukebox. So all of those (laughs) aspects of of Shirley spoke to me and that's why I chose her as my rising sign. (laughs) I love that. I changed my answer. It's definitely Shirley. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're both Shirley Riley, Risings. I love it. <laughs> so getting getting beyond the character introductions, was there anything else, Matt, that, that worked for you or that really stood out from the pilot or anything that maybe, you know, you noticed in this rewatch that you hadn't sort of maybe fully appreciated? Anything else, you know, that you want to say in, in praise of this really great pilot? It's the dialogue. They mm. are fast, purposeful doing something with every phrase. And there's a lot of sitcoms where, and I I look at 30 Rock for this because it's the reason I can't watch 30 Rock. They will have the character say something out of character for the joke to be extra funny. And it's the reason I can't watch the show because I feel disconnected the moment that happens. Mm -hmm. But, But community, they don't have to have somebody saying something or being super weird beyond who their character is to be funny. Right. And when they do it, it's over the top. It's on purpose and obvious, and the character knows it too. So it's not, even when community does those jokes, they're not making that mistake. They're not disconnecting me from the character. So it feels like it's heightened dialogue. It's not real people don't talk this fast. They don't think this fast. There's no way they'll make these references this quickly. But what happens is, you want it to be heightened in a television show and they do a really good job of, of threading that needle between believability and exceptional. Mm-hmm. And and that's my favorite part of the, that you get in the pilot and every actor who talked about the pilot talked about the dialogue. Yeah. 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 I, per, I have nothing else to add. I mean, that is exact. I felt the exact same way for sure. It's just perfect. Yes. Was there anything about the pilot that you didn't like or that you would change? I mean, it's a it's an excellent pilot, but there's always room for improvement. Is there anything that you might change or anything that that you just like, ah, uh, maybe we don't do that next time? 
I think if they if they went back to do it to be more ex- to get more people accepting, mainly of the accepting of the character Jeff, I would completely drop the Pierce putting mayonnaise on a hot dog and then stuffing inside the bread. I would take that whole <laughs> visual gag out. I, it's a good visual gag, but I would take that whole bit out. And I would add a conversation between Abed and Jeff, where Jeff helps Abed the way he helped Troy, the way he helped Pierce, where Troy just listens and we get to watch Troy's face as he listens. Interesting. And, and that way we get Jeff being nicer, mm-hmm. Jeff helping Abed, and we get Troy being not just a obsessed jock who's worried about how people see. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't take a lot of time to pull that off and you could still have it work. You know, the Chevy Chase, that whole thing with the hot dog felt like such a nod to Chevy Chase fans because it was such a Chevy Chase, like physical comedy moment. It it was like Clark Griswold. It's it's any Chevy Chase character in any other show or movie that you've ever seen him. And and I feel like they threw it in for that reason. But I agree. It's time that could have been better spent. Um, For me... I did not love, and this it's a minor nitpick, but it's a nitpick nonetheless. Um, there's an exchange that Jeff has. Funny that you mentioned the cafeteria because this is where it have happens. Is it's Britta walks off. Jeff's in the cafeteria. This cafeteria worker, a black woman, walks up to him and and asks him, you know, are you going to pay for your food or whatever? And Jeff, but Jeff like starts off by saying something to her, like, yeah, I think I can totally pull this off. And she's like, what the hell are you talking about? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just assume because you know everything I've ever watched that uh, what does he say? Something about oh, I just like a, a, by, based on television that every that a black woman, woman over fifty is, is some sort of cosmic mentor. Yes, I personally hate the magical Negro trope, so don't yeah. love that. And um, or even so the just pulling just, it out. Yeah, and, yeah, and so the joke just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and but it also felt odd for his character, like. It feels like if Pierce had said that or if Abed had said it, it would have felt more on brand for their characters. And honestly, I don't know that it would rub me the wrong way. I mean, I still like really hate the the magical Negro trope, but I'm like, Abed just sort of calling that out like analytically would have, even if it had been Jeff doing it and Abed clocking the trope, I think the joke would have worked better for me. And Pierce is just Pierce and inappropriate. So it even feels more appropriate coming out of him than Jeff. So I probably would have just ditched that all together. The other thing I didn't like was um, Troy referring to Abed as Slumdog Millionaire. It just kind of felt lazy um, in 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 an episode that had otherwise like really smart, really well done dialogue. It's like, why are we doing this? And why are we doing this with Troy? So didn't love that, but that's it. I mean, it's two minor things in in an otherwise really great pilot that that I just did not care for. Yeah, I uh, particularly that section, uh, the first one you talked about, it's not on the Netflix version, so most people have never seen that bit. Um, and I agree, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I want better for Troy and the pilot, too. And I think by adding a section where he can watch Jeff help Abed would have done something for that category. Yeah, oh, I would have much rather seen that than the stupid throwaway, like Slumdog Millionaire joke. It's like, come on, Troy, this yeah, isn't, and it's, not, it's yeah. not Troy. It's, it's, it just doesn't do, doesn't add anything to his characterization. We already know he's self-centered. We know he doesn't think about other people. So we got all of that without him, like. You do, and you do hear Shirley say off camera, that that's borderline racist. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> not borderline. I, I don't think that's a border. Right. I think he's over that, Yeah. <laughs> 
Matt, we are in the world of reboots and revivals. And listen, I know communities, they want their and a movie. But before we talk about that, I'd love to know. So Matt, you have been hired to oversee a community reboot revival, whatever it is that you want to call it. It can be anything from casting changes, twists on core characters, locations, et cetera. You're running the show. What does your revival look like? Um, it gets canceled the last three weeks, but I, I, I think the only one that would work is with the main characters after work. Maybe okay. not because you, and then you lose Greendale, but you still have Jeff having crazy stories from work. You could pull it in there, but to have the dynamic of Jeff and Britta and Annie and Abed and Shirley and Troy have that group still get together and do things. It could be always sunny without a bar and less horrible. Mm-hmm. And that, that would probably work. Otherwise you, you have to go back to Greendale and then you've got to recast a lot of folks. And I don't think that it ultimately works. I agree. I, I think that cast is, I think, I think Community has arguably one of the finest casts on a television show, with the exception of Chevy Chase, who's a problem. But outside of Chevy, everybody else, by the end of season one and into season two, is exceptional at what they're doing. Uh, Joel gets better. Allison is just amazing. Uh, Donald Glover is Donald Glover, and there's no other Donald Glover. So uh, he's he's perfect at stuff. Danny Pudi's characterization, what he does, I, I don't know anybody else pulls that off. Yvette gets so little and does so much. I, you know, I got no notes for these people. They do an exceptional job. And the people they bring in on, on top of that, when you see later uh, Ken Jong and um, uh, more Dean, Jim Rash, mm-hmm. they are amazing at what they're doing. So I don't know if you can do it without them. Yeah, no, I agree. It, this is a hard one to answer because it's like, I really like the core cast and the core characters. And I don't know. And I like the premise. I like them being students. And um, and to your yeah. point, it would have to be a premise where they're all kept together. Um, and my, mine would probably get canceled too, because the best I could come up with is, <laughs> okay, somehow they're all tethered to the school. Like Jeff teaches what Jeff teaches. Troy is a coach. You know, Abed does his film studies class. Shirley runs a business. Like, but it's, but they're all still right there in Greendale because I don't want to lose that character either. Um, I think the only other thing I might change in terms of character, though, I might put a little bit of a twist on Shirley. And I think I make her partner a woman and not a man because I think that there were already a lot of interesting layers to Shirley like you know she's a little bit prudish but we always see that like regardless of like how prudish and conservative and I mean sometimes yeah well, it's not a all right I don't want to get in spoilers but there are things about her dynamic with Annie for me that, that make me uncomfortable and so I think I would want to sort of push her like you know even farther a little bit so like yeah, you know let's 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 give her i there love malcolm jamal warner but let's give her work, that works yes, fine but let's 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 give her a female partner instead you know i think that would be an interesting balance for her character in particular but otherwise to your point i mean it's it's really hard to improve or even propose revisions to something that has otherwise worked so very well but going back to the topic of and a movie, so true communities know what that means. But Matt, <laughs> in case anybody is is new to community, I'm going to give you the honor of explaining sort of what and a movie means. And then, then we can talk about what 
that and a movie looks like for us. But I want to be sure everybody is is sort of included in the conversation. So so please, Matt, explain to us what it means when we say six, six, six seasons and a movie. <laughs> uh, the line comes from a later episode where Abed predicts that his favorite NBC show is going to make it to six seasons and a movie. And it's it becomes a rallying cry for the fandom because later on in, uh, in season three, there's a period where they get uh, put on hiatus and we just lean into the phrasing because it's a way of saying everything we want, it, it, particularly when we're looking for renewals each year. It became an easy way to say six seasons in a movie. That's the line. That's the that's the phrase. It's the hashtag the show uses. And they use it until the last episode. And in the last episode, the last thing you see is a hashtag and a movie. Mm-hmm. So the the references that we have um, for it come from the show. We, it's not something we made up and attached to it. Uh, other people borrow it, and I only uh, grieve people when they're talking about horrible shows. But I, <laughs> but I do that for my personal account, not for the community's account, because we don't want to spread anger and hate. And people will follow what I do and, and barrel on, so we don't do that. But we just found out in August of 2022 that the, the question of a movie is a when and not a if. Oh, that's, that's great news. Straight from Dan. Okay. All right, then. Yeah, Allison is doing promotion for her movie, Spin Me Around. And she said there have been talks. And Danny was at Comic-Con. And he said there are active talks. Uh, and there's real quick clips of that. Uh, but there's multiple times Allison was asked when she was promoting her movie about the community movie. She's like, absolutely. There have been talks. I can't. There's only so much I can say. And Dan went on Newsweek and with the the rap and said, there are talks, there's agreements, and there's negotiations going on, and there's an outline for the movie. So okay. we're going to get it. Uh, he just said it's not going to be immediate. It's not going to be this year, and it probably won't be next year, but he goes, it's there. Excellent. And so for, for us as a fandom, this is the best time to be a fan outside of when the show was live on NBC. Yes. What a time. <laughs> it's, it's fabulous. Yes. And so on that topic, so Matt, Dan reaches out to you and he says, look, Matt, you know, I'm struggling with this outline. I need some notes. I need some thoughts. You, <laughs> you're, you're tapped in to the communities and, and what it is that they want. Matt, you're hired as a consultant and you're going to tell Dan what your version of the movie looks like. What's your concept for the community movie? Oh, um, um, as somebody whose degrees are in accounting and history, I can't really do these things. <laughs> but uh, I, I will I will say what you, you've got to have Troy back. And what I would see the opening of the movie, regardless of where it goes, you see Abed leave a soundstage and walk to the Teddy Perkins mansion from Atlanta and open the door. And there's Troy and he and Troy go or having to go back to Greendale to do something. And when they get there, um, they find out that Shirley and Jeff are financially well off because somebody has done something stupid to Shirley uh, by the police department or something. And Jeff has sued them into oblivion. And now they have plenty <laughs> of money to be terrible people. And they're doing something to fix that problem. Okay. That, that, that's my at best case solution. But honestly, you know, I don't care. They could be sitting around a table for 90 minutes just talking to each other and, and having secrets revealed from the past seven years. I I would love that. I don't. I love this cast, and I love the way they write them. So i I have no I have no requirements other than I want them together. 
I completely agree. Mine is a terrible idea. Um, it is based, it's sort of a spin on, there's a holiday episode where several several of the, the study group members get caught up in this whole idea of regionals and these like choir. It's it's like a turn, it's like a twist on Glee, y'all. It's a mess, but it's a similar concept. <laughs> so my movie would be that the study group learns that Troy has become part of a cult and the study group has to rally together to save him. But in the effort to save him from the cult, they one by one get caught up as well, with the exception of Jeff and Abed. And Jeff and Abed have to team up and use a variety of movie tropes, maybe a little paintball, in order to get everybody out of the cult. And they realize that the only way to reprogram their friends and save them from this cult is to get them back to the sacred study room table. Shenanigans ensue. There's my movie. <laughs> I want I want there's no versions of these people together I wouldn't watch. I already watch every movie they've made outside of community. I watched Bad Milo for Crying Out Loud, which is about a butt monster. Oh, wow. That Gillian is it? Don't watch it. Um, I've done it. I've checked the box for the fandom. Don't go do that. Um, but yeah, I, I I love these people, and I think they're exceptional what they do. So I would definitely watch them get in and out of a cult. Well, in, in terms of other projects, guys, so on this podcast, we have talked about the pilot episode of the show Minx. I strongly, strongly encourage you to watch Minx. Gillian is in it. Minx is so good, y'all. Watch good. the pilot episode. Check out my conversation with Abby White about the pilot episode and go watch that series. I'm really worried that Minx is going to get cut in all of this drama yeah. with Discovery and, and Warner Brothers and HBO and everything that's happening, but it's such a good show. So watch it and support Gillian in that. Also want to plug The Bear, which I'm hoping to do a pilot episode discussion on here. The Bear stars Jeremy Allen White, who, if you guys watch Shameless, he played the character Lip Gallagher. Joel is in The Bear, and he's like this really dickish asshole chef. He's got just, it's just one cameo. But I was like, is that Joel? I was <laughs> like, oh my God, is that Joel McHale? Because he was such an un-Joel like, character. And I had to actually like look and confirm, even though I could see his face to play his day. I'm like, I know it's Joel. But y'all, you know, come for Joel, but stick around because the first season of The Bear is so freaking good. So watch those two shows. It's All very right. good. So we're good. We're going to get into a wrap-up. Before we do that, Matt, tell us where we can find you on social media. Uh, the most important place is on Twitter. The account was created uh, after season four to help promote season five. Uh, the fandom was already called Communities. Uh, we were named by Yvette. Uh, so uh, they just made a Twitter account to kind of coordinate everything after that. But uh, that's what we've always been kind of called. We're also on uh, YouTube. And literally, I have an account on all the major social platforms. So we're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. I think I have an account on Snapchat, but I don't look at it. Um, <laughs> but most most important place we are is we're on Twitter. Okay. Uh, because we're there to get everything related to the cast, crew, and show connected to every fan of the show that's our that's our approach yeah yes so support them we'll put the links in the show notes and you guys can follow this podcast at more wine pot on twitter instagram tumblr and tiktok all right let's get into the final stretch of our conversation matt let's do our elevator pitches so for the folks who are new to community they, they've just watched the pilot they listened to you and i talk about this delightful episode and these this just wonderful series 
what's your case? Why should folks keep watching? If, if they're not already into it, you know, why would you encourage them to keep watching? Uh, my pitch for them would be this show is about a found family that uses pop mm-hmm. culture that you still know to tell stories that literally no other show I've ever seen can pull off. And it has two episodes in every season you don't expect. And I do say that for every season. Yep. Uh, not everybody would. And it's the most inventive television show that's not animated that I've ever seen. Plus, the fandom you get to be attached to as a part of it mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I Listen, there is very little that I could add to that other than to say another fun part about continuing on with community is I don't know vi- uh, many other series that have better guest actors than community. And in most wow. instances, they do some amazing things, amazing, unexpected, funny things with the guest actors that come on community. It's it's like, it gets to a point where if you're an actor and you come on as a guest, you know, you know that you're supposed to let your hair down and have a really good time. And so everybody embraces it and leans into it. So in addition to everything that Matt just said, I would also say you are in for a spectacular ride when it comes to the guest actors that you're going to see come through the hallowed halls of Greendale. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, Matt, I love that you mentioned this earlier because it actually ties into the question that I want to ask you now. And as Matt mentioned and, and very, very correctly mentioned, is that the, the beautiful thing about community is that it's a show that you could literally pick it up at any given time. And it doesn't matter which episode it is. You're going to know, you're going to understand who these people are. You're going to understand these characters and you're going to have a good time. And you're not going to need to know all of this like history to understand what is happening in any given episode because it's a sitcom, it's episodic. And and that's the upshot to, to television that's created in this way. And so the other beauty about that is that you could watch shows in isolation or episodes of the show in isolation. I would encourage you to watch the whole thing. But Matt, if we do have folks at home who are like, all right, all right, you guys, I hear you. I don't have time right now to do the full six seasons. So just give me a handful of episodes that you're like, okay, if you want some laughs and you want to have a good time, give me a few of your top hits. Tell me which episodes I should check out when I have a few spare minutes in the evening or on the weekends. Matt, what are your recommendations? Well, I, I like to stick to season one when I'm asked for recommendations because I don't want to spoil what's in front of them. So uh, the three that I would normally pick, and I do flip out on the first one a little bit, is Football Feminism and You is probably one of the best written dialogue episodes that they have ever. Mm-hmm. And it has some beautiful moments, and it does show a lot about the cast dynamics. If I swapped it out for anything, it'd be Debate 109, which I think gets everybody involved in a nearly perfect way. Uh, my second one would be Introduction to Statistics. Is the Halloween episode from season one. You don't have to know who all these people are to understand it. It gets to who they are really quickly and provides you enough information for it to work. And if for some reason, uh, those two episodes don't tell you that this is a show to continue watching, watch Modern Warfare. Okay. You can, okay. I think that's the, I think that for, you know, for me, it was the hook episode. Another, I know there are other hook episodes for other people, but they do something that is the most efficient use of time to make an episode of television about a paintball fight that is a, a reference to like five different movies in the process. It, mm-hmm. it is the perfect encapsulation of what they're capable of, and they have better episodes later. Okay. 
I love those recommendations and I love that ours don't overlap, which is so, so y'all are going to get a lot oh, of bang for your buck here. <laughs> so here's my handful. I've got, I've got two from season one as well. My first one is season one, episode 12, and that's comparative religion. That's um, very good. I think that that episode really, back to Matt's point about like chosen family, it's a really good like chosen family episode. They kind of bicker and fight like family, but they, boy, do they come together and rally like a family in that episode. So I love that one. Um, I would also recommend season one, episode 21, which is contemporary American poultry. I think that that's the episode where I really fell in love with community. I, I mean, I liked it. I was in, I just, but that one in particular, I was like, oh, y'all are on a different level. Y- y'all are doing something different with this it, show. It is the first proof they can do something other shows can't. And it's, yes. it's, it's wild and it's fabulous. Yes. It is so good. I've got two other picks and they're not from season one. And so my next one is season two, episode eight, which is cooperative calligraphy. And the reason why I think that episode actually works is because let's say you pick up there, you're going to get some references back. You're going to learn a lot about the dynamics in the group in that episode. So it's like, if you don't have the time to binge watch and you're really trying to just get an impression of their dynamics and who they are, I think you get it in cooperative calligraphy. And it's just a really, really funny episode. And it's also random. And it's just, it's just chaotic in all of the best ways. So love that one. And my last sort of bonus one is season three, episode 17. And it is basic lupine urology, which is probably my favorite community episode of all time, because it is just like, uh, guys, if you, if you, there's no reason to hesitate. It is a perfect episode of television. Yes. And if you like, if you are a fan of the wire, it is really going to speak to your spirit. Like, it's just, gonna, if you like the wire, you like law and order. It is It is going to speak to you on levels that you didn't even think the show could speak to you. So those would be my recommendations. All of them are episodes that I think you don't have to know what's happened before them. And they will, you will walk away with, I think, a pretty good sort of impression of like the dynamics of this group, how wacky they are, how chaotic they can be, and how fun they can be. So those would be my recommendations in case you don't have time to do a full-blown community watch, which I I would watch them in that order, though. I would not start in Lupine as a first episode, only because the the tone is different from the rest, but it's, it's intentional. But outside of that, no notes. That's a perfect list. That's a really good list. Yeah, those are my, those are my faves. So, all right. We've talked a lot, Matt, about the fandom and how amazing the communities are. And so I'd be remiss if we didn't spend a little bit of of time in our conversation today just sharing a favorite fandom moment that we've had. And and I I assure you all that if you put 20 communities together in a room, each of them is going to have like a very unique but amazing experience that's come from this fandom. And so I just want to lift the fandom up, Matt. Give me one of your favorite fandom experiences. Um, you know, live tweeting the show back when it was airing was this show always has always, from a fandom standpoint, felt like a rebellion against everything else. And mm-hmm. and being able to get the show to trend when you felt like there's only a couple hundred people tweeting is it it feels like success when you when the you know the ratings never were great successes they were never impressive they were basically the same as parks and rec but parks and rec got all the love and community didn't and mm-hmm. so live tweeting and doing it with everybody else is you know it's how i met you it's how i met the, everybody else that was great um 
if if there's another one, it's the response to the table read. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. the table read ends up being like a four hour Zoom call that the cast does in 2020 during the middle of the pandemic, where they have a table read, a Q and A, and then they have a, a, like an hour long uh, video podcast with the cast, and the fandom just just went nuts for it. I mean, it's it's easily uh, the best thing that happened that summer, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. You know, yeah. again, pandemic makes things bad. Um, but the reaction we got, Sony helped us get uh, promotion material and stuff. I mean, it was, and we were all kind of working toward it because we had a bunch of podcasters at the time to just do community. And we were, we were working as a group to do things. That was, that was so much fun. Uh, I, I got to tell you, just being the admin is a blast. Excellent. Uh, it, I, I don't, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who just reached out and said, I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, quote me lines. And then the lines from the fandom is just lines from the show that make them giggle. Or, you know, we, we send out, you know, hello during a random dessert birthday message. <laughs> right. <laughs> people just, you know, I, I don't have a schedule for that. I just, you know, I see somebody's got a birthday and I, I see their, a follower or they're part of the show and I, I put them out there. So they're completely random. And it, it, the reaction to it is, you know, there's, there's nothing that money can touch in this category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I love these people. This is my hobby. I don't, I don't uh, ride horses. I don't, uh, I don't really golf at this point. I, I spend my time on Twitter connecting people who are really great people in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So my favorite fandom experience, I've had a lot of them, but I'm going to share one and I cannot remember the year, but I'm going to put it, I'm going to tether it to a season of a show and the season, it was definitely, I think it was season four of Community and it was season five of Sons of Anarchy. Why am I referencing Sons of Anarchy? Because season five is when Joel McHale did his guest stint on Sons of Anarchy. Okay. And so I had randomly learned about this auction for this this organization called Hillsides. And the prize, if you won the auction, your prize was that you got to do a visit, a set visit um, for an episode of Community and you got to meet Joel McHale. So I won the auction (laughs) and flew out (laughs) to LA um, and had one of the most amazing times I have ever had in my entire life. Like I probably spent 12 or 13 hours on set that day. I don't think I went back to my hotel until like two or three o'clock in the morning. And frankly, they were just like, here, here's your chair. You can sit here as long as you want. Like all of the cast members came up, like that came over. We're that and I are part of the same sorority, so we bonded over that. Took pictures, and, and I'm so mad because I cannot find my pictures from my set visit, which breaks my heart. Um, I met Ken Jong; he was amazing and just delightful. Um, Allison Brie, Gillian, like all of them, they they came up because it was Joel saying, right? They didn't have to say boo to me. Like I'm just someone, some you know stranger sitting over here watching them. But each and every one of them, unprompted, came over, took their time to speak. They took a picture. They were all just so sweet. I will say, of all of them, I think Donald. Donald seems very shy in person. Like everyone else was a little bit more outgoing. And with him, I was like, oh, you don't really, it doesn't really feel like you want to be bothered. So, but not in a rude way, but in a, like, I'm in a zone. I'm an introvert. Please, please, please don't, don't bother me. Kind of way. And I'm like, I'm riding Atlanta. 
so I'm kind of busy. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I pick up that vibe. I get that. It's cool. Like I took no offense to it, but I'm like, uh, from one introvert to another, I'm like, I get it, my guy. Like, I, cool. I, I, good. I appreciate you just being in the room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he said hello. He said hello. And so, well, um, and so then there was another girl who was there who was who had won some set visit in a different auction so like I met her she and I still follow each other on Twitter today it was her and her fiance they've had like a kid we still keep up with each other I mean that's the power of the communities oh yeah but, so okay so I'm watching I'm watching I'm watching Joel didn't have to film until later in the day and so they're like Joel's gonna be here soon and I'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god because I'm just like you know super excited and like so He's filming. He takes his break and then he comes over. Okay, first he serenades me. He's like, hello, Jocelyn. And like, he just sings this little song and I'm like, oh, swing. Like, I'm like how, how dare you be this nice and charming? And so we're talking and like, I'm telling him how much I loved him on Sons of Anarchy. And I made this really, really terrible joke about, because like on Sons of Anarchy, he was part of this gang of like uh, guys who would like, like woo older women and then steal their cars and sell them so that they could be stripped for parts. And I told him that if his gang had a name, they would have been called the motherfuckers because they were literally <laughs> fucking mothers. And he like just <laughs> lost it. <laughs> so I appreciated him laughing at my very, very terrible joke. And so then like, you know, we started talking. He was asking me what I did for work. I was telling him this like really wild story about, so I'm an attorney and I was telling him, he was like, tell me the craziest story you've ever had. So I was telling him about my very first deposition where I had to take the deposition of a woman who was suing my client because they didn't hire her for a human resources job. But the reason why they didn't hire her is because during her interview for this job, she decided without solicitation to disclose the fact that she had inseminated herself with a turkey baster so that she could be a surrogate and get money to pay for college. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being a surrogate. There's nothing wrong with needing money for college. But telling a prospective employer, when you want to work in human resources, a role that requires the utmost like judgment and, and discernment, and you are without solicitation saying that you inseminate yourself with a turkey baster, I don't know why she expected to get that job. And so I told him that, that he like made me tell everybody else and they're just like all <laughs> losing it. And it was interesting because this was also around the time, I cannot remember if this is like post Chevy or if it's if it's like, if you're on season, if you're in the middle of season four, he's kind of gone after. Okay, because he was not there. Because it was the ep- so I can tell you what episode they were recording. They were recording the episode where Abit realizes that the group all had ties to each other. Before oh, yeah, like origins. Yes. Oh, so, oh, I we can't spoil, but I need to tell you something about that. If you haven't heard it. Okay. So when we get to the spoiler segment, we could talk about that then. But he, so that's the episode that I watched. And so, you know, I'm telling them, I'm like, you know, I do labor and employment law. And so I'm like, yeah, so I deal with bullshit in the workplace. And they're like, oh, we could have used you. And I knew who they were talking about. I was like, yeah, you probably could have. Y'all could have probably used me um, for that situation because y'all had some drama. So it was just like the best day. Like I just went home. I went back to my hotel just like just, you know, completely sober, but high, just like high oh, off of God. the energy, the kindness, just just how much of a fun day I had. And so I get home and like, I think I had, 
I might actually have a picture on Twitter. I can't rem- remember that I posted, but like I opened up my Twitter and at that point, Joel has already sent me a DM and he's like, it was so great to meet you today. He was like, send me your address because I'm going to send you something in the mail. Everyone loved having you around. You were, he, it was just the sweetest message. I'm sure that it's still in my DMs because I know I wouldn't have deleted it. And so then, you know, sure enough, like I think about a week or two later, like I got this whole care package from him, like with hoodies and like signed pictures and all of this good stuff. It was just like, the best time. I just felt so welcomed and so appreciated. He plays the biggest a hole on all the shows. Person, yeah, yes, and that's why I'm like I will always go hard in the paint for that cast, but for Joel in particular because I'm like he was just an amazing human being, and it was just human being, no pun intended. It was just the best like experience ever, and just just still, even thinking back about it, I'm like. Ugh. Just the, the joy of it just comes back. It was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. I enjoyed every second of the it. First time I got to talk to him, and the community accounts done a couple of things where we got talked to him. The first time was in 2020 on the anniversary of the Paradigms episode. And we're going to interview, we're not going, Joel's not the plan. Mm-hmm. The plan is to talk for five minutes to Chris McKenna. Chris, Chris McKenna is the writer of the Paradigms mm-hmm. episode. He's also, uh, for those who like cinema, he's the guy who's been writing with uh, Eric Summers, also from Community, the Spider-Man movies for the last three and the last Ant-Man and the Wasp movie. Yep. Uh, And Welcome to the Jungle, for those who don't watch Marvel for some reason. Uh, (laughs) But uh, the plan was to talk to McKenna, and we were going to watch via that little Netflix app to watch party thing. We are going to watch Paradigms Together, and he was just going to comment about it. That was the plan. We're going to talk to him five minutes, and we're going to switch over. And he goes, hey, when when I'm showing how to set up Netflix party, because he had never done that successfully, apparently, while we're talking, he's like, hey, I'm going to invite a a guest to be on with us. I said, oh, that's great. Oh, my God. I'm very afraid of what you're about to say. And then he says... Uh, Associate Justice Sotomayor and I go, ha ha ha, very funny. And they're like, okay, so this is not a real thing. He's not actually getting somebody. Uh, but it's going to be me and Mike talking to Chris McKenna. And then McKenna gets on for like 30 seconds and he's like, hey, um, there's a guest in the waiting, let him in. And I look at this Joel McHale's name and then he proceeds to roast us for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> because Joel answered all of the questions we had prepared for McKenna in the first minute and a half of talking with McKenna. Oh and, my gosh. Just, if you've seen it, it's um, Mike is Mike couldn't get home in time. So he's outside on a beach thinking it was going to be quiet and there's seagulls going over. And, <laughs> it's, and I have to mute Mike's microphone. So, because Joe is constantly making fun of it. It's very funny. Um, and, and I, I just don't have anything to tell them because we have, we talked for like 20 minutes and I say we, I actually mean I listen for 17 minutes and giggle for 17 minutes as my friend <laughs> just constantly trade one-liners and talk about the show. And you know, we were out of stuff and we didn't see this coming. It had no, you know, knowledge it was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh that was a ton of fun. But he has been, we've talked to him a couple of times since. Um, you're right. In in on television, he is a horrible human being. In real life, he he is actually just one of the sweetest people on the planet. Yes, just one of the very best. And I've heard a lot of stories about 
fans on Twitter saying like, he'll just drop in your DMs and say something nice and be like, you know, I want to send you something. He's just, he's so in tune with the fandom. He's just, he's the best. He's the best. And the busiest human being on the planet too. Yes. And and that's what makes it, because yes, because that day when I was on set, he had, he came later because he had been filling, he'd been filming the soup. And, yeah. and he was trying to get me passes to come over and watch an episode of The Soup. But because of my travel schedule, I couldn't do it. He's just, I, I, like I said, I will go hard in the paint. Like I will, there are not many like celebrities. And I'm like, okay, if y'all got something bad to say about him, I, we're going to have to fight. But Joel is absolutely one of them because he's Joel, just. Joel just, and Ken, I pull knives. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just, the, just the nicest people as a cast overall, which is, it was, it was wonderful. Absolutely. Well, Matt, we kicked this conversation off. I introduced you to your first sort of segment in which you shared what you were drinking because that's how we kick off, kick off our conversations. And where we like to close every week, Matt, is with our thirst segment. So this is the time when our thoughts go from wholesome to less than wholesome. It's the thirsty thoughts segment. It is where we lust over our crushes from the material that we have covered. So this week's thirst product, I decided to switch it up a little bit and do something that was inspired by community. And it's going to include references to episodes beyond the pilot, but there's not going to be any spoilers, right? You're not going to know like what episode I'm talking about or what happens. You're just going to hear some scenarios that are going to come up. And so I'm going to give you a prompt, Matt, and that is your opportunity to respond with someone. It can be it can be a character or it can be the actor portraying the character because I think that both are valid choices here. And you can also pick anyone from the entire community universe. So it doesn't have to be limited to the pilot only. Um, if it's someone that's not in the pilot, you can just mention like, hey, they were a guest star, you know, they have, you know, an arc, whatever. You can mention that if you want to, but those are the ground rules. Matt, are you ready to get thirsty? I am ready. Let's do it. Matt, (laughs) who from the pilot would you create an ad hoc study group for in order to get some quality time with them? I would be just like Jeff. And it's in this case, actually, Gillian Jacobs, the actress that plays Britta. I think she is just the most, she's a quirky person as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. Doesn't drink, doesn't do a lot of Hollywood stuff. But she just seems so damn interesting at every moment. I, I just can't, uh, I can't get over her. I mean, not n- number one, that pilot hair, their hair in the pilot is my favorite hair look that she has for the whole season, the season one. Uh, it gets blonder later on, then it gets dirty blonde later. I think that she just looks amazing in the first season. But I think Gillian is just, she's completely off social media and still working. And she does mm. weird projects. And everybody talks about how great she is in these projects. And she's never she's never doing anything that's big budget anything. She's doing a bunch of small budget stuff and enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah. So I I am I'm not obsessed with her. I'm quite happily married and don't have obsessions like that anymore. But she is amazing and I will watch everything she's in. Yes. Yes. She gives very much. It's kind of like, it's it's one of the reasons why I love Chris Pine. I love people. I love actors who it's like, they're not on social media. They appear to just like drink their water, put on their sunscreen and mind their business and, yeah. and just try to live their best lives. And it is a vibe. And so I totally get it. I would, I would start an ad hoc study group for her as well. My choice, however, was someone that we just finished talking about, and it's Joel McHale. Not Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Winger's a dick, but Joel, 
Joel's amazing. And Joel is funny and charming. He will serenade you. He's super nice. Of course, I would completely fabricate a damn study group to get some quality time with Joel. And respectfully so, because he is a whole married man. So I am not trying to break up happy homes, but the point of this segment is to be fun and thirsty. We are not actually going to go out and try to court these people, folks. But you guys knew that. All right, Matt, prompt number two. It is Halloween and you need a date for the Greendale Spooky Social in which you may or may not partake in some questionable military meetings. <laughs> Who from the show, it could be the actor or the character, is your date and what costumes are you and your date wearing? Um, if Mystery Meat's involved, I would probably be happy as either Kermit the Frog or like a Cowardly Lion thing mm-hmm. with Shirley, either way. Um, or playing a wolf with Annie, that'd be cool too. I think that would probably be the best one. There's no getting in the Troy and Abed thing without just being another version of them. So yeah. I, I can't play the 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 uh, the people that die in the movie they're referencing. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't have the suit and I would never look as good in a suit as Joel does. So I don't think that would work for me at any party. But uh, I think Shirley would be a good one to go with. Because she she commits. You, yes. You, if you're gonna dress up commit. That's what I was about to say. Shirley and Annie are both the kinds of personalities where they can come off a little uptight, but boy, when they commit, they go balls to the wall. I mean, it is, you're going to have, and so if they are all in on the mystery meet and having fun in the costumes, they are going to go all in and and probably in. in unexpected and in surprising ways, but in all the best ways. So I completely love that choice. My choice, I'm going to dig into that guest pool because I love me the guest. I love the guest actors. In fact, the rest of my picks are all actually guest <laughs> guest actors okay. because I am trying to, to emphasize why you all should continue watching the show. So my pick is actually Giancarlo Esposito, who makes some appearances um, later on in the series. And guys, if you don't know who he is, he is, I mean, Dean, Big Brother, I'll meet my Almighty from school days, I guess more popularly known as Gus Fring from um, Breaking Bad. He was also in The Mandalorian. I mean, the man is everything and I adore him. And I also think he's really freaking hot. And so we're going to go as Gomez and Morticia Adams because I just <laughs> want the spooky, sexy vibes. And I feel like I feel like he could definitely pull off a really good Gomez. So that's our costume. And so that's what we're going to do while that we're works. partaking in the mystery meet. Prompt number three, Matt, paintball wars are underway and you need a trusted partner. You're going to fight your opponents and you're going to fight your sexual tension as you try to make it to the end of paintball unscathed. Who is your partner? It's going to be Abed because he'll never shoot me in the back. The rest of them would. Mm, Good pick. Good pick. Safe pick. And really good at it. Yes. uh, Very excellent at it. Very excellent. My pick, another guest actor from the show, is the late, great, gone too soon actor from one of my absolute favorite episodes of Community, which is the Lupine, basic Lupine urology. And that would be Michael K. Williams because Mm -hmm. I loved him on The Wire. I actually had a chance to meet him once. He like, y'all, his skin, it like glows. His skin glowed from like miles away. It was just, ooh, it was just good. Like it took a lot for me not to be like, sir, I need your entire skin routine because I need my skin to look like that. Just a, just a really lovely person. And so yes, from, I know he's dead y'all, but that would be my pick. So it is what it is. It's a fictional game. <laughs> All right. Last, but very not least, but not least, uh, 
prompt, Matt, you're being cast for a bottle episode involving a search for a missing pen that somehow leads you, leads to you and your scene partner, both in your skivvies. Who are you choosing to be bottled up with? Um, my default answer from all the other answers is going to be Britta. Uh, and I even wear the striped organic soy cotton blend for the occasion. <laughs> That's a reference for those that don't know. Yep, that's uh, but if, if you know, but you if, know. But since I've talked about Britta repeatedly, I could easily go with Lawrence DeMille, uh, who's the professor that we see later in season one. I, I've i liked her in everything she's ever done. And I just, oh, yeah. I just think she, she's, her vibe on the show is, for the most part, not all parts, is kind of amazingly good. So, uh, yeah, Lawrence DeMille, easy. Yeah. yeah, she is super pretty. I I completely, I got, I love that choice. Well, mine is another guest member, guest cast member, and it's somebody that was on my thirst pick in our Justified episode. And it is none other than the incomparable, incredibly talented Walton fucking Goggins, because y'all know (laughs) I stand me some Walton Goggins. I love that man. He is brilliant. And if I'm going to be bottled up with somebody, I know, because I just feel like we could kick back drink some bourbon and just vibe that that's the vibe I get from Walton Goggins. And I could just like pick his brain and talk about all of his amazing work and just basically spend the entire bottle episode swooning over him, which is exactly what I would do. So that's there a good pick. That you is an excellent pick. have it. Yeah. Matt, if there wasn't a, if it wasn't a desire for, you know, the opposite or the gender I'm most interested in, um, it would be, it would be uh, John Goodman in any room. Oh, yeah. Because that man is amazing. But, uh, yeah, if we got to look at each other in our skibbies, I don't want to be John Goodman and I don't want to look at me. <laughs> it's hard because, you know what, it's so funny because my, my runner up, it was a hard choice because this actor actually filled in for the role that Walton Goggins played when oh, they yeah. did the reunion. And I would absolutely love to see him in his skivvies. And that would be Pedro Pascal. Pedro so, Pascal, just amazing. I mean, listen, Matt, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you for being such a great sport about your very first Thirst segment. I had a lot of fun talking about this beloved show with you. Um, and for those of you in the listening audience, as always, I thank you for listening to this week's episode of I'm Gonna Need More Wine. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tell everyone you know to do the same. If you love us, leave us a five-star review and tell a friend to subscribe. And please show us a little bit of love over on Good Pods as well. Um, we got a little bit of time left, so I am going to ask Matt a few spoilery questions, but we're going to wrap up with the conversation first. Matt, where can people find you? I know that you said it mid-discussion, but just to reiterate, where can we find you on Al Gore's internet? We are uh, communities with two S's on Twitter and on YouTube. That's the best place to find us. All right, guys, be sure to check out our other episodes, The Boozy Beginnings, aka The Pilot Project, where we talk about pilot episodes. They are lots of fun and non-committal. All you have to do is watch The Pilot. If we have spoilers, we break them out and put them at the end in a different segment. So far, we have covered House of the Dragon, Justified, Queer as Folk, Looking, Empire, Mink, Sons of Anarchy, Grand Crew, Abbott Elementary, Claws, Orphan Black, Manifest, Teen Wolf, Walking Dead, Sopranos, so many different shows. Uh, We've also done some iconic shows in their entirety, including Pose, Drag Race, Fleabag, Loki, and Black Ass Falcon in The Winter Soldier. We've got some movie coverage as well. More recently, we've done episodes in the Bob's Burgers movie. We've also done um, a discussion about the Fire Island movie. All of those are great, so be sure to check them out. And be sure to follow this pod on Twitter and Instagram at More Wine Pod. You can also find us under that address, under that handle on TikTok and Tumblr as well. Not so active on TikTok, though. 
Anyhow, longer feedback, send it over to morewinepod at gmail.com. Until next time. All right. Matt, you've been a great sport. It's almost two hours. So I'm not going to hold you much longer, but I had a few like just really quick rapid fire prompts. I would love to just hear your thoughts and then we can um, wrap it up for real, for real. Um, Matt, favorite character arc of all the study group members from start to finish? It, it's Abed. I, Interesting. I, I, I think ultimately his story is the one that holds it more cohesive. It's it's It works more than others because the show doesn't really seem to care about arcs as much as other shows do. Yeah. And yeah. so for a show that built on a circle, that's kind of weird, but uh, I, I don't like it. As, I like it more than I like Joel's story. I like it more than the other characters, what ultimately the other characters get to. I definitely don't like it. I definitely don't like Britta's art mm. for the most part. Uh, and I, it's kind of hard to call what Annie's going through a proper arc, although it, it's really close to Abed's. But ultimately, I think oh, Abed's is the one, the one you see most hopeful going forward, I yeah. think. And ultimately, I think that's the best that's the best, most brightest light in the in the arc of the stories. Interesting. I do. He does have an amazing arc. Mine was Troy um, because, you know, particularly visiting the pilot, his insecurity. And then, of course, you know, we do see his growth. He shifts into this beautiful friendship with Abed. And it's, although it's a great friendship, it is a little bit codependent at times. And, and so for his exit to be him venturing out on his own with none other than LeVar Burton. For me, it's one of the best character send-offs I think I've ever seen. It, it just felt very well suited for the character. Very, I love that it pulled from the love of LeVar Burton. I even like that it tied into Pierce because I do think that Pierce and Troy have these similar trajectories that we see as the series sort of progresses. Although Pierce, I don't think ever really sort of gets on track, you know what I mean? Towards like, yeah. towards no. the right path or to redemption <laughs> in the way that sort of Troy does evolve and actually grow. Um, so yeah, his, his is, his is my favorite, but I, I, Abed is definitely right up there as well, for sure. All right. This is probably going to be the hardest question I've asked you all day today, uh, Matt, because I had a hard time picking it and I still still don't even feel good about my choice because they're also spectacular <laughs> but what is your favorite Dean Pelton costume I'm, I'm gonna go with the one from one of my favorite episodes the duality Dean of oh Man oh my god that was mine <laughs> if, 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 there, if there's a second place it's that 50s black and white from season four that, yes. where he's ba- where he's basically silver and black and there's no other color um, but duality Dean is <sighs> A lot of a lot of his outfits don't get a lot of commentary, and they don't they just pop, and it's like, oh wow, that was weird. Yeah, um, you know, Tina Turner fits in that category. It's like, oh, that's really good, but also that's kind of weird. Um, but Duella Dean is one they come back to at yeah. the end, and I thought, man, that is so funny, and so I like it because we get so much more time with it to tell a story, and and it's and it's just ridiculous. Yes, same. Loved it for all those reasons. And of course, the the punchline of him forgetting he had to go to the bank that day. And so he's going to have to go to the bank in that costume. You could just change clothes. <laughs> now, I'm asking you put all that effort into it. I'm with oh, yeah. him. You got you to ride that out. No, that's an all-day costume. That might actually be an all-week costume because that's yeah. a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you glue half a wig on your head, you're, <laughs> you've made a commitment. Yeah, you've made a commitment. We talked about the, the amazing cast, the amazing guest stars that we've seen throughout the course of Community 
Matt, did you have a favorite among? I mean, the list is so long, and, yeah. and the talent is 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 just Immense. off the charts, exactly. Immense. But what? Who were a favorite or a few faves of yours? Betty White. Mm-hmm. Betty White comes in, does her stick, and nails every bit of it. The cast were just over the moon with having her there. Uh, after she passed, there was a video where they showed her how to sing the little song she sings because she'd never heard she'd never heard the song Africa in her life. Wow! Um, so there's, um, you know, John Goodman might have been second place. And Michael K. Williams is just insanely good at everything he does. But you know, there's 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 people in season one, and we kind of forget that they're there. You've got um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but Professor Whitman is is a stunt cast to some degree. Jack Black is in season one at some point, but yeah. Betty White, hands down, is the best. What they do with her is the most efficient and funny thing they have with anybody. So I I really like her. I agree. I agree. She is definitely high on my list. It should come as no surprise. I had Goggins. I had Michael K. Williams. And I'd throw in Pedro Pascal, even though it's not like, you know, community, community. It's the reunion that they did. But he was so good. So was, now, When he broke, that was the funniest thing. Yes. I, I, the episode's still great. I don't want to take that away from anybody watching both versions. But when Pedro just loses his mind because he can't say a certain word, uh, it was it was cathartic. It was great. Yes. Yes. And then of course, Giancarlo Esposito. Like, and, and what I love about everyone that comes to the show, especially the folks I think that come that come on around season three, because at that point, community is like, it's established. People understand what yep. it is. And so when the guest actors come on, they know what kind of show they're coming on. And they just really lean es- into Esposito it. Esposito flew in for his, when he shows it. up in season four. He flew in just to do that bit. I love it. Because he's, he's in Arizona. He's wow. filming, you know, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. It's they, they, they gushed about him as well. Mm, he is the best. All right, this is this is also another hard question because there's so many. But Matt, do you have a favorite? I did, couldn't think of another word, but they're like the event episodes, right? Because you've got paintball, you've got Christmas, you've got Halloween, you've got. I mean, there's, there's so there's many. Two, there's two Valentine's Day episodes you could count in there too. I yes, guess, doing yes. That. So do you have a fave in terms of like those event episodes where it's like, just, just, do, could you find, could you narrow it down to one or two? Um, if you don't count the reference in season four to paintball, which is not really a paintball episode and I will die on that hill for the fandom. Um, <laughs> paintball is arguably the most inventive of the series. But if you, if you include that for some reason, it's Halloween. Halloween is introduced statistics which is a great episode by itself the second one is epidemiology which is arguably one of the wildest episodes that we keep forgetting to remind people exist but you have a zombie canonically zombie episode with a abba soundtrack that's not a description you can apply to most things that's not words you'd put together the third season you have the spooky stories and the fourth season you have the paranormal uh, p- parentage episode which is one of the my favorite episode from season 4 so i think the the halloween is the best running holiday thing where christmas knots doesn't work as well as the other three but um and and paintball the paintball first movie makes a reference to at least five different movies. The second one is a spaghetti western, the third one is a star wars reference and the last one is a bond movie. Uh I, I don't have anyone to tell people about it without ruining it for them, but it's it's great. Those are both wonderful groups of four, uh, three or four that work. 
Yeah. For me, it's two. You already mentioned one. It's epidemiology. And I want to be very specific. It's three things. Well, two things that work well for me. It's Dean Pelton in that Lady Gaga outfit. It's amazing. And the combination of the soundtrack being (laughs) ABBA, but the Dean's voice notes. (laughs) Like, pick up, pick up some noodles, pick up, do the laundry. And then it's like, give me, give me, give me a man. Like, it's just like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. It is the and eat, pray, love to the soundtrack mix, and there's look up what human centipede is. Yes, (laughs) it is just oh my god! It is my kind of chaos. It is to me. It is just chef's kiss. It's just perfect, and it's so community. If if someone was like, okay, I want you to to show me, give me one episode to watch, and you're like, okay, if you really want to understand, if you want an introduction to the chaos and delightfulness of community i'm probably and the inventiveness of it yes, it's got, i'm it, probably it pointing them to epi- epidemiology yeah. my close runner up is i don't know if this counts as an event episode but it's an episode off the beaten path and it's digital estate planning it's the it's the eight bit episode yeah. i love that episode <laughs> <laughs> they made that game for crying out loud fans made that game Yes. That's what I can't get over. It's an actual game you can play and you can do stuff in it. I'm not very good at it. So I've I've, I've quit. But Uh, other people have played it and I've watched them. I watched them on Twitch playing it for crying out loud. It's it's amazing. It's It's a great episode. So, so good. And I just, oh my God, little tiny 8-bit Troy is the most adorable little <laughs> plankton in the entire world. Like, he's just so tiny and so brown and so cute. It's just, uh, I love that episode. Matt, do you have a favorite season of Community? It's two. It's mm. Season one has the best dialogue of all the seasons. Uh, hands down, I think the, the way they talk to each other is is pitch perfect mm-hmm. season three takes um does some stuff they couldn't do in two but two allows them to do it and in season two has or season three has arguably two of the for me two of the greatest three of the greatest episodes uh community ever produces and i also would argue some of the best television ever made mm-hmm. but season two on the whole is the best season of television i have ever seen there mm. is there is uh the epidemiology episode there is Abed's uncontrollable Christmas. There is mm-hmm. my dinner with Andre episode, which is a also has a Pulp Fiction reference while it's going on, and, and I've watched my dinner with Andre. It is pitch perfect to that tone. They do things in season two, and then paradigms where they make a fake clip show. There is so much there. The D and D episode as well. There's so much there that is amazing. Mm-hmm. That if I had to say if, if if I if you were instead of one episode to give me one season to watch. That's the one because the last two episodes of the season changed the MCU by getting the Russo brothers hired to make uh, Winter Soldier. Right. That's how impressive season two is there. This is the beginning of the end of that group of people being able to make this show. So I, I, I I always point to season two. There's, I don't think there's really a bad episode in there's a couple of people have problems with, you know, like aerodynamics agenda. There are people that don't like parts of it, but overall, it is amazing. And it doesn't even have my favorite episodes in it. It's just great start to finish. Yeah. It's, it was hard for me. It was a toss up between two and three. I ultimately went in th- with three because, like I said, basic lupine neurology is like just hands down my favorite. So one of my favorite episodes of any series ever made. 
Also, digital estate planning, which I just mentioned. I also love Curriculum Unavailable. That episode where they go to the psych and like Abed's been trying (laughs) to tell us that it did like they do. Yeah, they do a second clip show and do a better version than the first one. And the first one was amazing. No, it's. Yes. I love remedial chaos theory. I mean, they're just, it for me, it's, I, I agree with you though. I do think on a whole from top to bottom, I think that season two is overall the stronger season, but season three just has, it just has too many of my faiths. So I had to go yeah. with that one. No, uh, like impressionist doesn't get the love in season three. And uh, when Shirley marries uh, those two episodes, she usually gets the grief, but what they're doing is, adding to a story that's going to come back for the rest of the season. So they're, they're kind of required for the rest of the stuff to work. Yeah. Ultimately people don't like it because they don't, they don't want the an episode that's based. It's funny and it's doing a thing, but it also has exposition for the season. And I think that's what drags them down. But you know, when virtual system analysis came on the first time I watched it, and I've told, I've said this to every time it's come up, I went to my, I watched it by myself because I was watching it live and she has a life and does things. Um, but I watched it and I mm. went to my wife and I said, that show can do anything. Yes. I have never seen an episode like virtual system analysis in my life. I still haven't seen one since. And it for, for years, it was my favorite episode. Yeah. It just that, that ending about, about you know how you know you're you're a part of the you're part of society and you're you're not abnormal and you can be understanding that the anxiety about being accepted is what makes you part of the group because everybody has it. You know this show's not therapy, right? But right. it can be. But it can be. <laughs> you can got- you can you can take great stories from it that 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 love your heart and that's my favorite part of the show. Yes. I completely agree. And I think that is the perfect note to actually wrap up on. So again, Matt, thank you so very much for your time. It has been just an absolute pleasure talking to you. And like I said, listen, anybody that comes on, the door is always open. If it's something that you're watching, you're like, hey, I think I want to talk about this. Hey, just message me and be like, hey, can we do a pilot episode on this? All right, we'll set it up. We'll make it happen. All of my guests will tell you that I've had people come to me, like Abby comes to me all the time and they're like, we need to talk about this. And I'm like, okay, let me look at the calendar. We'll set it up. So the door is always open. Thank you so much for your time. And you, for the you are absolutely welcome. And I want to take this very brief moment to say you have been a good uh, online friend to me for years. And I am so happy that you're doing a podcast where I get to listen to you talk about things. Uh, you're one of my favorite people I've met through this process. You and Jen and, and, and Charles and a couple others. I am, I feel so lucky. And so, um, no, thank you for letting me come on and talk about my favorite show. Yes. No, thank you. But thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate your support. And for the communities out there, if this is your first time listening, thank you so much for joining. You know, check out the back catalog. We've got, I just like to do an assortment of things. The whole point of this podcast is for me to just sit down, have a drink and talk to people that I like and have a good time. And that's what we do. And we just want to make you feel like you're part of the conversation. So... Thank you for listening. Matt, thank you for joining. And until next time, everybody. Bye.